Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 22, Secretary's Day. In this episode, Andy goes all out for Aaron, Oscar has some fun at Kevin's expense, and Michael spills the beans. This cold open will lead into what is the B-plot for the remainder of this episode. And so in it, Oscar has made a video, and it is of Kevin speaking, but the video is of Cookie Monster talking. And so it is Kevin's voice dubbed over video of Cookie Monster talking. Right, and most of the office, I don't think I saw Stanley in this episode, by the way. He was there, like, very briefly when Gabe tries to discipline people, there's a shot of Stanley. Okay, so most of the office is gathered around Oscar's computer laughing at this video. Kelly and Ryan are kind of featured prominently as those as some of those people laughing. Angela, surprisingly, is also taking part. And Kevin tries to appeal to her as saying, Angela, isn't this inappropriate? Shouldn't we be working? Because his feelings are kind of hurt that Oscar made this video. But everyone thinks that's hilarious and asks Oscar to send them the link. I would say it is a pretty spot on uh, comparison. Yeah, it's the cadence and also the... Um, like the raspiness of Yeah, the I was about to say tone, but that doesn't make sense. The The sound of his voice is very much like Cookie Monster. And Cookie Monster has those... His eyes are often pointing in different directions and he's just like crazy for cookies. And that's how Kevin is about sweets. But aren't we all, Curtis? Certainly everyone in this house. <laughs> We're heading into the Christmas season, and every year Curtis and I make Christmas cookies. Often too many of them, because we make like three different kinds. And we've tried to share them with our neighbors before, but our neighbor is like, no, I made too many. I'm giving you a plate. So then we ended up with even more, and we'll get some from my mom. We'll get like a bread from the other neighbors. And by the end of the December, we have like sufficiently gained five pounds yeah i think last year there was an impromptu cookie exchange between us and our neighbors who live behind us because i think you went to go give him cookies and he was like oh wait a minute and yeah he gave you what they made. also this episode further pushes the whole trope that i talked about and it's really it is almost established at this point that kevin is just dumb yes and that's that is the that is all the dimension his character has. Agreed. That is it in a nutshell. It's just like and we said this on the show before. Andy from Parks and Rec, Joey from Friends, they are firmly all following in that category. We kick off the main part of this episode with Andy talking about how it is Secretary's Day and talking about the lengths that he went to to make sure that everyone showed how appreciative they are of Aaron. Off the top, and this could be a matter of semantics, but it's always been made clear that Aaron and Pam before her were the receptionist. Not that that doesn't fall under 
administrative professionals because the day is now called administrative professionals day not just secretary's day i think because and i truly think it's because the um there's a thought that secretary is derogatory sure so does so does aaron qualify here for secretary's day because i did see this chatter on the internet I mean, I don't see why not. Like, it's not like her exclusive job is to answer phones and greet people at the door. Like, she sends facts, and she, she, if if there is anything that shows the definition of that, her and Pam before her secretaries, it's the lengths that they go to for Michael. Like, they are keeping track of Michael's day and yes. things like that. And I think, and we'll we'll get there in a couple minutes here, but it's it's interesting that Aaron works for the office, but as we saw a couple episodes back when Jim and Michael were both vying for to not be the manager, and Jim lost that fight, and Michael was moving back to the bullpen, it's very clear that the receptionist that Aaron and Pam before her worked for Michael, like you said. That was the primary relationship. So say someone had asked, you know, Aaron to send a fax or contact a client or something like that. If Michael had needed something, it I think Michael would take precedent. Well, yeah, because he's the the boss yeah. of, the, of the branch. Andy has been dating Aaron officially for three weeks now. And Andy is trying to turn Secretary's Day into this big romantic gesture. And like Curtis said, made sure that everyone was going to go all out for it. And that includes sort of badgering Michael into taking Aaron to lunch. And my hang up with this episode is that it's almost like a reversion back to Scott's tots. For sure. And how Michael treats Aaron. But that's not how he treated her in A Manager and a Salesman. Because they had more of a rapport. And so I really kind of wish the writers would pick a lane on the Aaron and Michael relationship. Because now he's back to, I don't know how to talk to her. I find her annoying. I find her weird. I don't want to be around her. Whereas even just a couple episodes before, that is not at all how he was interacting with her. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder... Like how, in what order did they shoot these episodes? And not only that, like what order did they choose to put these episodes in? Because it is very odd that they put an episode between, or at least one episode, because I'm not sure what happens in the next episode, but they put this episode between Happy Hour, last episode, and future episodes where Michael and Donna have this relationship. Like you would think there would have been this immediate follow-up, but they kind of put in a filler episode that really doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, there is one thing that happens in this episode that does apply to the storyline at large, but it's something that could have happened literally any time. It is not tied necessarily to this date. Yeah, agree. And in season seven, Aaron will come to see Michael as a surrogate father figure. So they, their relationship just has a lot of 
kind of twists and turns, in my opinion, that aren't necessarily linear. Yes. So back to your point, it is very odd that Michael is so resistant to this. And at first, it seems like Michael is just being kind of uh, himself. It is Secretary's Day. And so it's not, it is a day that is meant to honor someone else. It is not a day that is meant to honor him. Right. And so he isn't going to make too much of an effort to really like play things up. Yeah, attention is not on Michael here. And so he he reluctantly agrees to ask Aaron to lunch. And even like when he goes out to say, hey, I'm, I was going to take you to lunch. And he asks like where she want to go. Michael's like, the wherever she says, Michael's like, no, nah, I don't really think we should go there. And it's just like, that's not up to you, man. Like it's, it's Aaron's day. You just, it's like, hey, I want to go here. Okay. Well, let's meet me outside at 12 o'clock. Like. I will say, and I think we've talked about this on this podcast briefly before, there is a lot of weird pressure in the workplace when it comes to gift giving, particularly around a secretary's day, a boss's day, Christmas. Um, I think it's inappropriate for subordinates to give gifts to the boss, but my coworkers don't necessarily feel that way. And I have a coworker who has the love language of gift giving and loves, 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 loves to give gifts, whether it be to coworkers, friends, family, whatever. No matter how close or not close she may be like with that person, that's just how she likes to show her affection. So she enjoys giving our boss a gift and will then try to get everyone to go in on it, which is not a, it's not a problem. It just is sort of overkill. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of interaction with the administrative professionals that work in my in my division. And so sometimes it does get a little like blurry as to like, and I usually just throw in some money for an administrative professional's gift. But yeah, that I'm thinking that should be something that comes from like our managers. You would think, yeah. Or at least that the managers are spearheading it. Yes, which is not usually the case. It's usually the people that like enjoy gift giving. And I am not knocking gift giving. But again, as we're getting into the holiday season, Curtis and I are finding it quite difficult on what to get each other. Or just what to ask for in general. Like we are homeowners. We have a child. And so the focus of the gifts when we are like trying to think of them is no longer on ourselves like there is not a whole lot that either of us really want for ourselves that we couldn't just get if we really really wanted it and i i realize that is the point of christmas and everything like at, at a certain point like at the beginning of November, if there is like something like, you know what, hey, I would like this book, I would like these shoes, I would like right. whatever, like you should be like, okay, file that away. I don't need to get this for myself. I can ask for it for Christmas. But we are finding that instead of needing things for ourselves, we need larger 
big ticket items for our house. We would like a new mattress. I am desperate for a new mattress. I just have not decided like that's where I'm going to budget the money. Right. If any listeners out there want to throw us some money for a new mattress, we wouldn't say no. I, I told Curtis that we should, he and I should just not exchange gifts for anything but our anniversary because that's important to me. And just like, we'll just get a damn mattress. <laughs> and so, yeah, we need a mattress. We probably will need a new refrigerator at some point soon. So it's things like th- obsolescence. So it's things like that that we you can't just ask for a refrigerator, and it's even more lame to be like, "Hey, just get me a, a Lowe's gift card, right. and then we can put it, towards, put it that. towards that." And so it is very difficult, I think, when you are an adult, to think of things for like for Christmas. And I'm someone, and we'll get off this tangent in a second here. I'm someone that doesn't like clutter. And so there's only so... There's that too, There's only so many small countertop appliances that you can have in your home before your whole countertop is overrun by small appliances that you use like twice a year. So it's just one of those things that at a certain point, yeah, you do kind of like run out of things you only need so many sweaters so many shoes right so back to the episode (laughs) michael and aaron do go to lunch and i know that you do not like aaron i I don't (laughs) and i don't mind her that much i don't think she's that bad of a character I later I think they figure her out I will agree with that I think it is very uneven in this season because she is new and I will say by season nine I think she has is more fully carved out she's more of a fuller character that makes sense whereas she I think they can't decide whether they're taking like a Kevin tact with her yeah do they want to make her female Kevin yeah or like an Andy to where he kind of was a different person in season three. And now he's just this annoying, weird guy in the office. If that's where they're going with her, it's not clear. And this is a very painful lunch. Right. For Michael. Yes. When they're on their way to lunch, Michael's like, hey, can I put on my audiobook?" And Aaron's like, I kind of hope that we would just talk for a while and get to know each other. And Aaron doesn't ask the run of the mill, like, get to know you questions, which I guess is a good thing or a bad thing. Like, yeah. if you went on a date <laughs> and and somebody asked you, hey, what around what time would you like to be a teenager? I know I've asked you a derivative of that question before. Sure. It, and it's one of those, it's like, well, at least they're not asking me, like, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Right. Where did you go to college? Like, it's at least it's a different, interesting question. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a pretty weird question. I think because it literally comes out of nowhere. There's sure. no build-up lead-in to, like, hey, let's, like... I want to know something interesting about you because I really do think the answer to that question will give you a very interesting 
purview into that person. Like I know my best friend would say that she would have liked to be a teenager in the eighties because she loves eighties music and movies. And that is just like, that is her jam. And she would have really thrived in the eighties, I feel like. And so if she was on a date or meeting a new person and they asked her that question, they would really get to know her and her musical taste, her movie taste. And that would really take them off on all these different branches about pop culture and music and concerts and, and all in that that avenue. But Michael won't take the bait. No. And then unfortunately, Aaron has a very, very oddball response that doesn't really open up those avenues. No, not really. Well, at least for what we know about Aaron, like... She answers the 1490s, and it's because America was discovered. And Aaron doesn't strike me as, like, a history buff. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it's just a very odd answer for her. Michael is really casting around for things to talk to Aaron about. It seems like he might have asked her what her prior work history was before coming to Dunder Mifflin. And this is a response that to me tells me the writers really didn't know what to do with her because she says she worked at a Taco Bell Express, but then it became full Taco Bell and she just couldn't keep up, which makes me concerned that Charles didn't read her resume or ask her any questions before hiring her because she's sort of responsible for keeping an office going. Mm -hmm. And as Michael is fishing for things to talk about, he just asks how things are going with Andy. And Aaron, unsurprisingly, is just very glowing about her relationship with Andy. And she asks Michael to kind of tell her about what Andy was like before she met him. As if they had, like, Michael has known Andy since he was like a kid. Like, that's a just a weird question. Yeah. And Michael isn't really sure how to answer the question, but he lets it slip that Andy was at one point engaged to Angela. And this is information that Aaron was not familiar with. Let's take a little pause here because Aaron really freaks out. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how old Aaron is, but I suspect that she is quite a bit younger than Andy. Seemingly. Yeah. Now, they've been dating for three weeks. Now, here's... This is sort of like the discussion we've had about the Jim, Karen, Pam sort of thing. I think because Andy and Aaron worked together and worked with Angela, the conversation was likely warranted earlier than maybe it would have been. Now, three weeks in, you, you're probably having... have had some discussion about your past relationships, what you're looking for in a relationship, maybe, especially if you're deciding you're exclusive. Perhaps. Uh, I think we, it, it is, it is easy. It is easy to see where maybe that discussion has not happened in this relationship. Yeah. Because Aaron especially seems very, very naive and, Potentially has never been in a relationship before. And that's what I'm wondering. And that may inform her just kind of extreme reaction and a little bit of disgust. Because she sort of is really, I don't know, a little bit childish about 
the fact that Andy and Angela like may have had sex, which we know from season four, that was like one time. Yeah. And that was to spite Dwight. And so Aaron really just kind of loses it at this moment. Not like she doesn't like freak out and make a scene or whatever, but she very is very uncomfortable with this new information. And unfortunately, this is not the end of the day. Like there is still the back half of the day still to go, which includes a party planned for Aaron. Aaron's clearly in a bad mood. She doesn't talk really the rest of lunch, the car ride back. She's pretty snippy with people in the office. Andy is a bit oblivious to her anger and he has made a cake with her picture on it. He is getting ready to sing a song about Secretary's Day love. (laughs) And then prior to starting the song, he does give a pretty pronounced shout out to Angela as head of the party planning committee, which that's a side note. I don't think we knew she was back as the head of the party planning committee. Yeah, I don't know. For planning this elaborate party, that really infuriates Aaron even more. And so by the time Andy is ready to start his serenade, she throws a piece of cake in his face. And so she asks him flat out, was like, hey, did, did you, were you at one point engaged to Angela? And Andy's like, yeah. And Aaron asks the rest of the office, like, was everybody else, did everybody else know this? Am I the only person? And everybody's like, well, yeah, we were here. Yeah. And so she storms out at this point, leaving everybody just kind of standing there awkwardly and Andy with cake on his face. Andy tries to mend fences here and just kind of, I, I can... I can very much relate to Andy here because he's very lost as to like, because he didn't do anything. Right. And so he is very lost. Like it is in situations like this where like you don't know where to start to start making things better. You can't change the past, obviously. And Andy can only kind of admit that like, yeah, I I guess I should have told you about it. And when, when he was talking with Michael about it, Andy says that he was waiting for kind of a better opportunity. Yeah, and like I said, the biggest issue with it is the fact that they all still work together. That Angela sits right next to Aaron's desk every day. And Michael does point that out. Andy rightfully is a little annoyed with Michael and is like, why were you talking about that? Michael's response is that Aaron isn't very easy to talk to, so he kind of just was looking for anything. A couple people tried to help Erin feel better, but she is feeling extremely betrayed here. Like I said, they're three weeks in at the in the happy hour episode. They were wanting to take things slow and not let too many people know that they were in a relationship. And then Andy threw that out the window, basically admitting that he is a drama queen it does seem like they've sort of fast forwarded their relationship a little bit from there in the fact that they're not hiding it at all. But we don't know the seriousness of it. Andy likes these big grand gestures, but we don't know sort of like where they stand 
with each other as far as, like I said, the seriousness of the relationship. So Kevin goes to Aaron's desk and just tells her, you know, if I had been engaged with someone here, I would have told you. Trying to maybe just put himself back out there for her. Angela has a conversation with Aaron that is trying to clear the air, but, you know, Angela, she can't really fully do it. She just basically tells her she doesn't like thinking about that, and that is not something she wants to remember. It doesn't have any fond memories of it. Aaron shouldn't be worried about it. Well, she at first, like, blames Aaron for making her remember it. Yeah. And so that doesn't work. Pam also tries to talk to Aaron and says that, hey, I too was engaged to someone who used to work here before I started dating Jim. And this is kind of where we see the 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 dumb side of Aaron because Pam's like, you know, sometimes you just don't know what your heart wants until it finds the right person. Right. And Aaron's is like, well, I hope you find that person. Right. Pam didn't connect all the dots for Aaron, so she's not realizing how much the situation could be applied here. And really, the the easy way for this situation to get resolved, I, I guess, I don't know, I could see it going either way, is just to explain the circumstances of how Angela and Andy's relationship ended. Yeah, I also am just not sure why Andy is not explaining that at all. Just explaining how terrible the relationship was. How she didn't even really like him. And she was cheating on him most of the time. The argument could be made, though, that he didn't he didn't try to get out of the relationship. Like, he was fighting to stay in it. But, whatever. Yeah. In the end, Aaron breaks up with Andy and says she can't trust him. He tries to talk to her more, but she just cannot see past that fact, and it is over. And this is, like I've said before, it's stuff like this. This is bothers me about the Andy and Aaron relationship. Agreed. They they do go on again, off again. And the off-agains are usually brought upon by really, really dumb stuff like this. I would agree. And then they spend, I mean, to be honest, until the end of this the series they pretty much spend their time pining after each other while they're dating other people missing each other or trying to date and then it doesn't work out michael does sort of see the air of his ways and while aaron's outside just very upset and back to making her like i don't know she just is making noises like she's constipated basically and that's her like distress noises Michael comes out and tries to, like, cheer her up. And honestly, Michael didn't even make an effort at lunch. And this is, this wouldn't have happened if Michael would have just made an effort. And he doesn't really make an effort here either. You, he, he doesn't go to bat for Andy or anything like that. He just tries to cheer Aaron up. Sure. And he does it in really childish ways that he realizes that Aaron is responding to. Like, he says poop and butt, and Aaron, like, laughs at those things. And so it just feels like there is this open thread that 
could easily be tied up that they just kind of like leave out there and it's like well all right so we're are andy and aaron cool like what's the deal here i will say they don't make it explicit but they are broken up yeah because that's like i said that's what it feels like that interaction with michael and aaron was supposed to do was maybe smooth things over for andy to where it like sets a foundation that maybe they could get back together and or at least that's what it should like it seemed like it was supposed to be i don't know i like, didn't pick that up. i know i don't like i'm not saying that like to so to me it does that scene doesn't make any sense otherwise i i don't i think it was like supposed to be a i'm sorry from michael i don't think it had anything to do with andy but michael doesn't really need to apologize for anything either for the terrible lunch uh, And he's the one that brought this whole situation on. But the only reason the lunch was terrible was because it ended with the revelation that Andy and Angela were at one point engaged. And so if he really wanted to make Aaron feel better about the day and feel better about the lunch, he could have stood up for Andy here. And I'm not saying that like it was a great lunch, but Aaron was having a grand old time, like talking to herself through Michael. I mean that because Michael didn't want to be there, didn't want to try to find things to talk to Aaron about, didn't think she was interesting, thought she was weird, and thus was casting around for something to talk about. And that's like, I don't even mean bringing up Angela and Andy. I mean, just making it a bad lunch because he didn't want to be there. Sure, but I think Aaron was somewhat oblivious to that. Right, but now he feels bad that if he just would have tried a little bit earlier, maybe with these jokes, the story about the neighbor, etc., Andy and Aaron wouldn't be in this position. Okay, but if he if that is a realization of his... But he doesn't have. Would not... he? Would he not try to be like, oh? But Andy's not that bad. Like, would he knows the circumstances of how Andy and Angela's relationship ended? He could explain it. I don't know if he thinks that Andy's not really that bad. I don't think he's all that high on Andy. I, I'm. That's probably true. I'm just saying, like, the scene feels odd to me because it is Michael trying to make amends with Aaron but in order to do that he would have to like make amends for Andy in my mind no I don't I don't think so I think he's only thinking about himself that's not that would not be surprising but he is not as usual Michael I'm thinking about myself I don't know person here like there is no setup to that there is no like one-on-one with Michael just being like man, I feel bad that I kind of ruined Aaron's day by not trying at lunch very hard. I'm not saying you're wrong, but it doesn't lead to Andy and Aaron getting together. I do know that, yes. Anyway, let's go to the B plot, which is the fallout, if you will, from Oscar making this joke video about Kevin. Kevin, unsurprisingly, is a little hurt by it and so he goes to gabe 
to try and shut this thing down. Why he doesn't go to Toby, probably because Toby is ineffectual. I have no idea. How Toby is even still there, also, I have no idea. Well, if Toby is ineffectual, we learn that Gabe is even worse than than that. Agree. And I don't know if maybe there's the thought that Gabe is like the corporate surrogate at the office. So that's why. And Gabe wants to prove his authority. Gabe is the type of person that doesn't radiate, listen to me, respect me sort of vibes. Not at all. <laughs> so he wants to take this opportunity to put his foot down and make sure that basically people are afraid of him. He does at one point say that he could get involved in the Andy and Aaron situation, but he thinks his energy is better spent on the Cookie Monster debacle. And so he addresses the office at large that Kevin has come to him, has expressed his displeasure about this video, and Gabe wants the joking about, the talking about, the recreating of this video to stop. And, of course, like you said, since he does not really have this aura of authority, nobody takes him seriously. And they continue to talk about the video and do the voices and everything like that. This really comes to a head when Jim and the newly returned from maternity leave, Pam, are doing the joking with each other out in the office at large. And Gabe hears them and says... Pam, you are suspended for two days without pay. Go home. And Jim tries to stick up for her and says, hey, that's that's pretty unnecessary. We don't need to do that. And so Gabe suspends Jim as well. And then Dwight is like clapping, slow clapping for Gabe's display of authority, as he says. And Gabe takes this as sarcasm and also suspends Dwight for two days. Yeah, the problem is that Gabe is trying to take a very hard line with anything to do with the Cookie Monster video. And because of that, every other infraction he feels like he also has to do address because he's also trying to establish his authority. So that's where he sort of made this very rash calculation when it came to Jim and Dwight. And so after this, we see a series of phone calls. Gabe is talking to, I, I maybe Joe. She, he's talking to somebody from the corporate office about what he can do in this situation. He is, so basically he is shot first and now he is asking questions later. And he learns that, no, he does not in fact have the authority to suspend people. He doesn't even have the authority to reprimand people, which really then... What is his job? Exactly. He has no authority. He's just, he's, he's on the same level then as everyone else in the office. Like, but he doesn't answer to Michael. It's just a very weird setup. He is like, yeah, like the corporate liaison, the corporate presence in this office. Pam has also made some phone calls and she is talking to Toby who talked to people in Tallahassee and said that, while Gabe does have the authority to send her home, or he can say that 
he is sending her home, but he does not have the authority to dock her pay at all. And so Pam, who at the very beginning of this episode said that she really enjoyed her maternity leave, really enjoyed the time with Cece. She didn't say that. She did not say that at all. She said, how was maternity leave? It rocked. It rocked my ass off, which I think is a very misrepresentation of maternity leave. Sure. And because it would only appear that she got eight weeks. Well, it is very clear that she enjoyed her time away from the office because after learning that her and Jim could not have their pay docked, they graciously accept their two-day suspension and even as Gabe is trying to just get them to apologize for what they did. And so basically, Jim and Pam get to go home for two days while getting paid. And I don't know how no one is just like, no, you you, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah, you can be home, but you're then you just use two vacation days or something. Yes. On top of that, it is also odd to me that there is this limbo period between Gabe saying hey you guys are suspended you have to go home and then we learn that Gabe does not have that power and so Pam and Jim and Dwight are just kind of like hanging out at the office even though they have been told hey you have to go home that is a that's a really good point plot convenience a little bit yeah And so that pretty much wraps up all the things that happened in this episode. Like I said, this feels very odd in terms of the placement within the season. This is something that could have happened literally any time. And especially knowing what goes on in future episodes that ties back to the previous episode that they don't even address in this episode. Yeah, it's almost like they needed... They were told by NBC to film like one more episode and just like threw this in. Yeah. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. Only fun facts are that it was written by Mindy Kaling, which sort of explains why uh, Kelly and Ryan are have more lines. And it was directed by Steve Carell. Curtis, who gets fired? Well, we lose Meredith because at one point in the episode, Pam says she needs to pump and she can't find her breast pump so she automatically goes back to the bathroom i guess because that's where she pumped previously and maybe she left it there yeah so this is before the affordable care act i think had fully been passed and was implemented so you did not have to provide a lactation room uh at this point also Dunder Mifflin Saber may be too small to be forced to provide that, but it seems like the only place that Pam can pump is the bathroom, which is kind of unsanitary and unfortunate. Right. And so when she goes in there, she finds Meredith using the pump. And she is very, very upset about this. As she should be. That's weird. And as Pam points out, unsanitary... And it's not sterile. It's just all kinds of weird. I I have not met a woman that enjoys a breast pump. It is wildly uncomfortable. It is annoying in the sense that you are literally, to get maximum 
efficiency, you have to use a pump that plugs into a wall unless you have unless you have batteries or something. But you can't go off and do anything. You're literally sitting there for 20 minutes. Well, your baby likely needs cared for or if you're at work and you need to do that multiple times a day because you need to maintain your supply. And no, it's not comfortable because the most efficient way to produce milk is by actually just breastfeeding your baby. And so they're trying to replicate that, but it's really difficult to do that with a machine. This is Meredith's third firing this season. It's her 11th overall. We also lose Aaron in this episode for throwing cake in the face of Andy. Yeah. And so we are in a weird position now. Um, Side note, there are several other people who I think at least get stern talking to. uh, Certainly Oscar for making the video and basically everybody else for taking part in the continued, you know, cookie monster voices after kevin made it clear it's like hey this isn't cool exactly that's the key here kevin asked them to stop yeah anyway and so we are in a weird position here because gabe is technically an employee in the office but he works more for saber and not that branch like you said the liaison type yeah and so i think we haven't lost everybody, but we kind of have. Yes. It's a weird, it's a weird spot. So I wouldn't say that for the purpose of this podcast, this is, this is the point where the office actually ends. Because we don't have anyone that can keep the office running, but we have the liaison to corporate from the office. Yeah. So, obviously, this is Aaron's first firing of this season. It is her first firing overall. Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? I'm giving an award to Michael for the best description of Andy, I think. And he does harp on it a bit, but he talks about the Easter egg colors that Andy wears all the time. Lots of pastels. And that really stands out to me because... You could put most people's wardrobe as interchangeable. Kevin, Oscar, Stanley, Jim, you know, Dwight is wearing his mustard shirts, but even Michael in there. Outside of sizing, they're just kind of wearing your standard business wear. But you know the costume department is is getting things specifically for Andy, be they seersucker, lots of pastels, Sweater vest, bow ties, things like that. What is your Dundee? The Mr. Steal Your Girl Award goes to Kevin, <laughs> who, as we mentioned, wasted no time trying to get back in the good graces with Aaron. We know that will be unsuccessful because Aaron has said that she is not all that into Kevin already. Who is your employee of the month? Uh, I'm choosing Jim and Pam because they get to go home. Hopefully they get to spend some time with Cece. But Cece might be in in the daycare or in the care of her grandmother or something. I would assume so, yeah. Who's your employee of the month? I have the same people for the same reason. It was kind of slim pickings in this episode. It really was. Like, Andy, Aaron, Michael, well, the primary focus of the episode definitely didn't come out of the episode well. No. 
I think the only other option is Oscar for making a video that everybody kind of liked. Right. That probably kind of took a lot of time. Yeah. So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.